Welcome into the bad fan. Each day we inch closer and closer to the FIFA World Cup as the main course continues to be prepared close to Thanksgiving. We continue to feast on all the Premier and Champions League fixtures along with exciting news like the sacking of Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa, more Cristiano Ronaldo drama at Man United, and more. All of this today on the bad fan. Your journey begins right now. Well, welcome into the Bad Fan. I'm your host, Cole Carter, back from an extended break. And we today are glad to have you alongside us. As you can see, I have my partner in crime, Brandon Pacenick, to help us break everything out today. How's your week been, B-Pat? Oh, um, dreading what today's game turned into, uh, which I sort of expected it to. Um, but I feel better after the sacking, and we'll get into it. Um, I actually have, I had a care package this week for my my lovely mom who makes these wonderful, sh I don't know, I guess they're sugar cookies and they're, <laughs> they're made to be look like pumpkins. Um, so that, you know, little taste of home just makes it all the better. Um, and yeah, I'm, I don't know, weird week, I guess for me, but the cookies make it better. Cookies are the remedy to anything. A broken heart, making a holiday better. I mean, truthfully, like, cookies are the source of all things good. Definitely. I mean, that's just like a fact. Heartbreak. They work with heartbreak. I mean, exactly. it's, it's, it solves everything, I think. I, um, I haven't had a good cookie in a good while. Currently, like, this season, obviously, it's like pumpkin season. So, like, a nice pumpkin bread for me is, like, the way to my heart. Um, I was telling someone this week that there's this one time I was in Appalachia, I'll make this quick, but this Amish market had these like pumpkin rolls with cream cheese in the middle. Mm. Yeah, that, That's the epitome of a perfect fall dessert slash snack. I, I think I'm going to this pumpkin festival in this town called Circleville. I guess it's like a famous thing in Ohio. So I think I'm going this weekend and um, I'm hoping there's some of those pumpkin rolls there. Um, mm. I don't know what a pumpkin festival means, but I guess I'll find out. I'm going to assume there's going to be lots of a pumpkin lot of pumpkins. related things. Yes. That would be the best guess. I'm excited. Huh? I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Awesome. Well, hey, we're going to dive in, uh, get things rolling here on The Bad Fan. And as we typically do, we talk about the Premier League. And the Premier League has been, I think, a standout season so far. We've had some surprising um, teams like Arsenal, we talked to, we talked them up a lot, but they really have outperformed themselves, only losing one game on the season. Um, but really, we'll start in the spot that's going to, as you kind of hinted, that's going to bring a little bit of heartbreak. Um, after a 3-0 defeat against Fulham, that saw Douglas Louise get sent off for violent conduct with a red card, Steven Gerrard is officially out as Aston Villa's manager. Now, Brandon, you're the Villa guy. You kind of represent them here on the bad fan. <laughs> Hopefully, well. What's your What's your reaction, man? Where do you hope the club like Where do you hope the club goes next? It's It's. I try to be level headed with these things. I think I've mentioned that before on podcasts, but it's it's different when it's personal, right? It seems personal. Um, but even then, I, I don't like sacking managers all willy-nilly. But Steven Gerrard has 
fully earned this this firing. I'll say that. Um, I think he took over about a year ago, like almost exactly a year ago, um, after Dean Smith went on a five game losing streak and was making crazy decisions. And it was it was Dean Smith's time to go. Um, and Steven Gerrard, after winning with Rangers, I think he was there for three seasons. In that third season, he he you know beat Celtic to the to the title. Phenomenal job there. And he's going to test his wits in the Premier League with Villa. Um, and eh, being the guinea pig for him just did not work well for us. Um, I could go on and on. And from that side, you can probably tell. But this is the last time we got relegated, this jersey. Uh, has Grealish on the back. And God, man, I wish we had him still. Ever since we sold him, that's when things started going wrong, which is so crazy to think about. And it's hard to admit, especially as a Villa fan, like, oh, we don't need him. Um, and we maybe don't need him <laughs> um, because if we invested the money wisely, but we didn't. And everybody at the time knew that we didn't. Um, anywho, but we haven't looked as bad as we did today in the season since this relegation season uh, i think it's 15 16 uh, it's scary and it's 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 really scary and if it weren't for the other midland teams who who are also playing very poorly this year villa could easily be at the bottom of the table like they can't score they can't pass anywhere on the field they don't know how to press and i know the word press has sort of become like this this hot term, this hot keyword that people just throw around. But in the technical, tactical sense, they don't. They, I think they try to play this mid-block that retreats once the lines are broken. But I was, I was joking earlier with a friend that my high school women's team, who were national champions, could play through Aston Villa. I, I, and it's not a joke. Aston Villa looked absolutely awful. And today's game really just capped it off. I mean, you you have... <sighs> you have a red card. You have an own goal. You have... What was the other goal? I don't know. It it, it was... Oh, a penalty. That was, that was one of the other goals. Um, yeah. <sighs> Mitrovic with the penalty, which should have been saved, by the way. Um, I don't know if you saw the replay. Martinez is right on it, and it like <laughs> deflected off of his. It's I don't know. It's one of the weirdest. He, he hasn't even been the same keeper then since no. they acquired him. He had that one really awesome year, and he hasn't been the same. Yeah, after his first year, and last year he was okay, but man, ever since that first season, you're right when he was at Villa. When he transferred, he has not been the same. It's really weird to watch. Um, yeah, our team looks awful, and they 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 looked devoid of any any confidence. Um, so sorry for for the rant, but no, you're dude, good. They they have been so so hard to watch. Um, yeah, I, I'd honestly rather watch MLS than watch Aston Villa at this point. Well, you hinted at it a little bit, and you can kind of see the Premier League table there. I'll uh, zoom in a little bit for you guys. But um, Nottingham Forest are currently at the bottom of the table. Um, and you have Leicester, who have been sitting bottom for a long time until their result um, today. But 
Villa. They're sitting 17th, equal on points with Wolves and Leeds, who also drop points. But, you know, sitting 17th is that a sackable offense? Only 11 games in. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they took into consideration the whole year since he's been here. And the reason why they fired Dean was to propel this team into Europe and taking steps forward towards that. And honestly, we've only gone backwards. Um, we've spent money. I guess it hasn't been well. We brought in an expensive managerial staff. That hasn't worked out. To me, that's those are backwards steps. So there's a lot hinging on this next managerial appointment, but definitely, definitely was was time for for Steven Gerrard to go, especially when the when the fans start to turn, um, and you don't give them anything to be confident about. I mean, I mean anything, not at the press conferences, not anything at all. It's 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 time to go, as the old Arsenal fan TV <laughs> meme goes. <laughs> so. You've seen the table. We've obviously had the sacking. Who do they bring in next? Is it a Pochettino move? Is that the big investment that they want to make into their future? I mean, is it Thomas Tuchel? Does he want to come back to the Premier League so soon and go for a project like this? Deshaun Dyche, he hasn't had a job in months now. Does he make his return? Is he the fit for Villa? What are you hoping to find um, Villa? Like, who do you want them to bring in? That's such a good question. Who would you bring in? I'll answer after you. How about that? I'll flip it. It's hard, right? I mean, it's Pochettino has been linked with every club in the entire world. Um, Seems like it. You know, the Real Madrid's, the Barcelona's, uh, coming back to Tottenham last year. Obviously, he was at PSG, and then you had Man United opening. At some point, he's going to come back. Um, I don't know what he's waiting for. Because again, you know, let's just say Real Madrid fired uh, Ancelotti. You said no to them earlier, so you're going to say yes to them now. So it's like I don't see him going to those big clubs he was linked with prior. Obviously, Man U is going to be long term hooked up with Ten Hag. I don't see an opening that's going to come. I mean, you want to talk about a big club? Yeah, historically, Villa is a big club. Um, they want to reclaim that. And now they have competition with another club like Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Newcastle's had a big investment, obviously, with the Saudi Arabian fund coming in. How do they compete? Well, you want to bring in a world-class manager. They thought they were getting something special in Gerard, you know, having a nice stint in um, Scotland with Rangers, but did not prove to have the same worth in the Premier League and, you know, fell short of that expectation. So, Pochettino seems to be the fit. If he's going to come back, he's got to start somewhere. Um, It seems like it'd be a decent project. I don't know tactically, you know, are the guys on the team that they have now, are they going to be who he wants? Or is he going to need a huge, huge investment, you know, $150 million to um, build a team that he wants? I don't know. That's, That's the question. But as far as what's available, it's hard to say who else there is. I mean, Grand Potter already went to Chelsea. Um, had that not happened, maybe you kind of pry him away from Brighton, but that's that's in the past now. So I guess you're going to go for Poch. If you saw something better than Gerard, that had to have been it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of things better than Gerard. I think Ashley Young could probably <laughs> become a player manager and coach better than Gerard. 
Um, and I mean that with full disrespect. Um, I, I think, I mean, I would love Pochettino um, having him, him back in the premier league. Um, but he, he's just a top echelon manager and in all reality, it's really, really hard to one convince those coaches to come anywhere, but to, to come to where Villa's at right now and sell them on some project that you're hoping is going to, you know, turn out in the future and they can be a part of it and whatever. I just don't see Pochettino as being realistic. Now I will say, and if I'm trying to convince myself that it might happen, I will say when you're out of a job for a while, your stock starts to drop. He's been out of a job for a little bit now, and I don't see any jobs opening up on the horizon unless he wanted to coach not in the Premier League. He could probably go get a, a job anywhere, um, like a top four club in France or Italy. You know, like he could probably go do that. But I just don't know. I just don't. So that's that's where I'm like, oh maybe. But in all reality, paying for him, we could get him in. But his demands of like wait, like us going and buying players and stuff. This squad is not going to be a Pochettino squad. I think he'd get a tune out of him. Don't get me wrong, but um, that'd be a, that'd be dreamland if we could pull that off. Now he is leading in the odds to jo- to be the next Aston Villa manager, which is really insane that the bookies would have him there. But a guy that I was thinking about, I think two weeks ago. That before any of this was mentioned and um, Gerard was sort of on the hot seat, I was like, man, things aren't looking well. Gerard could still turn things around. Uh, they might give him to the World Cup. Who would I want as as my Aston Villa manager? And how would he be able to work with this team as they are, right? With maybe a player or two of investment. You know who I thought of? And it's on this <laughs> list. I have no idea. Who, I want to suck me? your blood. Scary wow. style. Unai Emery. I would love him at Aston Villa. Now, whether the Villa fans would take to him, that's, I don't know. But on the outside looking in, Unai Emery's defensive style, hitting on the counterattack. Um, I think he can even play with two strikers. I think he likes a two-striker system, which would be great for Danny Ings. Um it would get our best players on the field. I think that's a really exciting prospect if we could, but I'm sure he's enjoying life where he's at. Um, Villarreal, I want to say, right? Yeah, um, so that'd be he a found hard, some success there. It'd be a hard, <laughs> hard way to convince uh, him. Um, another one that I really like is is Thomas Frank from Brentford, but. And we have a lot of connections with Brentford. We've bought from in the past. Dean Smith came from them. Um, but there, I don't know if he would leave leave that. You know, he just seems super connected, right? I, He's beloved I, there, yeah. I just can't see uh, him leaving. But Brentford, you know, they play that money ball. They, they probably have someone queued up next. And um, maybe they would let him go. I don't know. But... I don't know. There, there's a lot of good options. I will say there's a name on this list. Michael Beal. If you don't know who he is, he used to be on Steven Gerrard's uh, coaching staff 
this off season, he's sort of like the brains of the operation, right? Um, there's all the tactics, all that. He went this off season. He went to QPR, who is who is first in the championship, by the way. And he has the third best odds to be the next Villa manager. Could you imagine <laughs> your assistant manager going to coach a team who takes QPR and has them in first place in the championship? And then Villa sack you and go take him from that, that team crazy. to manage your team. I hope he's not on the short list. But what a funny story that would be. It's funny that he's even on the list. But, um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think about what I said? And then, I mean, there's Thomas Tuchel on there and Sean Dyche as well as sort of a shout. But Well, I was even sort of thinking about it more. You kind of mentioned Potch with, like, France, Italy. Juve might have an opening soon. I've sort of been thinking about that. They're not oh, only yeah. underperforming in Italy, they're underperforming in the Champions League as well. We'll talk about that later, but maybe that's the job he's waiting for now. His chance in Italy, he's done England. He's yeah. spent time, I think, in Spain on his playing career. I don't know if he – I think he coached at Espanyol maybe for a little bit. I can't remember. Um, so, yeah. Maybe Italy is his next adventure and he's waiting for Allegra to get the sack if they don't make it out of the Champions League group or if they continue to uh, slide in um, Syria. So maybe he is off the list. Maybe that's unrealistic. And yeah, that's the hard part from there. You know, Beal would be strange, as you said. Tuchel's probably off the books. Thomas Frank is so well attached to Brentford. There is not a clear candidate, which in part <laughs> makes the sacking for me hard to accept. It's like, you know, you committed a lot of your club to this one manager. You're a year in. I mean, I, I think I, it was I, only I, two transfer windows, though, thankfully. So not a, and not as much investment as Dean Smith got. So fair. Yeah. it's just it's yeah, it's crazy. So. It's a peculiar position. I'm glad I'm not in, but I really don't. I really don't have a clear answer because the market's not that saturated right now with, you know, well-known managers that could fit the role. But maybe I'm missing it. Um, but I have no yeah, idea. It's probably it's probably someone we don't even know that's coaching. Yep. You know, I don't know. We come out yep. of nowhere, but but see. well, we will see. Indeed, yeah. For the villains, <laughs> we do want them to succeed. You had high expectations, maybe a lofty yeah. one, but falling short right now at least mm -hmm. uh well in the midweek manchester united they dominated our tottenham hotspurs steven and i uh walking away pretty sad the theater of dreams became the theater of dream killing for tottenham two two nil was the result fred getting a very fortunate deflection at the edge of the box i mean this was a silly goal admittedly um he looked like he was passing the ball and ben davies <laughs> Went in for the deflection just to block it, and it went into the corner of the net, and Lloris had nothing he could do. That happens. Um, I will give some credit uh, to Bruno Fernandez. He did have a really nice goal. Um, mm -hmm. Just curled it perfectly. So they do win. They really dominate the match. I mean, they were peppering our goal. Lloris had some it's incredible saves. I mean, he, it could have been 6-0 um, if he was not playing the game that he had. It was pretty it was phenomenal. So, yeah, definitely not like a, man, we deserve to win. It was no, man, you dominated the game from start to finish. And for me as a Tottenham fan, it's just like we are dearly missing Kulisevsky since he's been hurt. Yeah. 
after that international break, which every single international break, a player gets hurt from Tottenham. It's just like insane. I don't know like it sucks. why it's, it's such a thing that happens. Typically, it's our Argentinians, uh, but this time it was the Swede. Um, and then Richarlison also getting hurt. It's just like that position, that right wing position is such a pivotal one for us connecting that um, link at play from our wing backs. And yeah, we miss that creativity from those two. And that definitely showed in the loss, but really the result wasn't the thing that people are walking away from uh, talking about. They were talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. Once again, his emission from the starting lineup continues. And this time his emission from the stadium is what caught headlines he didn't even stay until the final whistle. He walked out around the 88th, 89th minute of the game. Just decided, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm done with this. Uh, is this noteworthy? Uh, does he see the field for Man United again? Um, what are we making of this, Brandon? It is so odd. It is like the Cristiano Ronaldo show every week. If he can't get in to the headlines one way he'll find out how to do it another way and then i don't know if you saw after like today he, his pr post on instagram yes yeah. yeah, like a little bit it's like someone from pr school wrote it for him and he posted it um it's oh it's so funny and also cringy and embarrassing at the same time um Dude, I don't know if one if he'll ever if he'll want to play for them again. Even though he, he says he's professional and will come in and do the job and you know blah 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 blah. It's like well, you're not going to get chosen, and Ten Hag is less likely to choose you now. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if he never saw the field for them again. Um, I guess Man U, after all that, is is going to try to work him out. Um, you know not work out, but like work him out of the team this winter and uh, in the transfer windows. So again, I don't know who would come in for him, but I'm sure there'll be some suitors, especially probably from the champions league. Um, I could see like an inter, like inter Milan trying to come in and sweep, but I don't know. I don't, I just don't even know then if they would, um, they don't have financial flexibility right now to afford him. Yeah. Oh, no, most teams don't, right? Most teams don't. Yep. Very, very few teams could afford a Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and for, especially for what he wants and pl- probably playing time and all that. Um, I don't know. Do you think he plays again for them after all this? Uh, probably in, in Europa, Europa League. Yeah. I mean, it's, I that's, where he's been, that's where he's been playing. And he's, you know, he scored last game, I think, in the Premier League. Um, was a penalty, I think, for a 700th goal. And then he gets subbed off at halftime or something like that. So it, it's so strange because he did so well last season. I think he had like 18 or 19 goals or something like that. Yeah. And the Premier League. And so I just don't know how you can exclude him. I mean, your team's doing well, but like – it could be better. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is great, but you, it could be better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess the manager always knows best. That's sort of the saying, you know, we're not in the locker room. We're not on the training grounds. We're not yeah, you know, on, on the day-to-day. And we get the the perspective that Cristiano's pushing, you know, that he's a victim. And then we get Ten Hag pushing that 
he's in charge and he's put out the best lineup. So it's sort of this, you know, battle of egos and you have the biggest one in the world and you have one that I'm sure is getting there as well as Man United continue to be successful. So it's hard to say Ten Hag is wrong as long as they keep performing well as of late. Um, yeah. But I think he'll be around you know, until January, but there's just hard to find suitors that can afford his wages um, and also fit the profile that he wants to be playing Champions League football, which obviously Man United is not doing. So hard to say. Um, it's very hard to say. But we will see how it turns out. Uh, Leicester, though, they do begin to big that they do begin to dig themselves out of the bottom of the table. Um, they beat Leeds 3 0. Jamie Vardy continues to have no goals for Leicester. Um, so they do it without him. Uh, but now Leeds have been without a win in over six matches. Uh, is Jesse Marsh, is he in the conversation of losing his job or does he have time to settle things out and um, kind of see where Leeds can go next? I think because he's American, he's on a really short leash with the fans and stuff. I don't know why he hasn't playing pretty good football. Um, he, Rodrigo again, I'm sorry. He's not going to score you goals. You were, you were banking on Bamford coming back and being strong and playing like he did in that first season when he came up under Bielsa. Um, he has looked a shell of himself. Brendan Aronson has been their best player week in week out and Tyler Adams, to be honest. Um, their defense is a little shaky, uh, but for them, I'd say it's one, it's too early to sack him, but also it's too early to see where, where this team's going to be. I think I said they might get relegated and they, they could, they, they are full of championship level players. Um, and that might show that might come to show this year, but I think it's, I think he's safe. I think he's safe. He has them. There's an identity there. I guess I'll say like, for example, Aston Villa had no identity. You couldn't tell what they were doing week in, week out. Looked awful. With this Leeds team, you see what they're trying to do. Do they get unlucky? Sure. Um, do they struggle in front of goal? Sometimes. I feel like you could say this exact same thing about a lot of teams in the Premier League. They just happen to be on nine points. I think they'll be fine. I think they'll pick up enough points and he'll keep his job through the end of the season probably. Yeah, I don't I don't see any issues with him keeping his job. It, you can't just fire everybody. Like, right, you no. can't. Like people have to understand it. it. If a constant revolving door does not solve your problem. No. It doesn't. It takes time, it takes patience. Um it just it doesn't solve your problems. It doesn't. And money doesn't, doesn't. always solve it either. It takes um actual mm-hmm. development. And I think that's why Leeds has a little bit more times because they have a lot of young players. You Got to let them develop, especially those two Americans you mentioned. That's what's going to be, I think, the thing that keeps him tied to the club. As long as they're seeing positive development, they'll continue to let him uh, stay at the mm-hmm. helm at Leeds. Um, I but maybe that, out. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask you about Brendan Rodgers. I mean, he's sort of turned Leeds around. I think two wins in a row. Is it or two wins in the last three games? I think um, they're still in the bottom three, but there's. Like we sort of said in previous podcasts, they're going to stick with him. Um, he yeah. is a good manager, arguably great. And Leicester, you can say what you want about their team, but they have some good players in there. And beating Leeds 2-0 is not not an easy feat. There's no easy Premier League game. So, especially when you're at the bottom. Um, yeah, what do you have to say about Brendan? 
it's a long season. It's a long season. I've mentioned this off camera many times, just in conversation with you and people that it is such a long season. We're 11 games in. There is still what? 28 games practically for a lot of teams left to play. Mm-hmm. That is so many points up for grab that again, you win these teams against the lower half clubs, you're going to be just fine. It's the top 10, top six, however you look at it, that those are the harder games to get points from. And in the past, they've actually done decently well, Lester. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where they found their success. All that matters is beating teams around you and as far as your table standing. Um, I don't I don't see him being fired. Again, we I just said this like I feel like I'm a you know beating a dead horse here, <laughs> a repeating record that there just aren't there aren't replacements abound. There's not. And so Brendan Rogers knows the club, the fans know him, the ownership knows him, they know what he's capable of. I just I don't see how like you could move on from him right now. It's the same people that they're they're calling for everyone's head at any moment they can, and it's absurd. It's people saying, "Oh, Liverpool's lost three games. Klopp out? Is he in danger?" It's just it's headlines. <laughs> I British media, English fans are the most dramatic people in the entire <laughs> world. They're so privileged to have an amazing sport in their country, and you know you have one piss poor performance and everyone's out. Like yeah, it, there's a lot of short-term memory, I think, going yeah, they had, on. Yeah, they had amnesia. It's like I'm seeing people calling for Conte's head. You've had the best start in Premier League history for your club, and you're saying, yeah, I'm looking forward to him being gone. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Some people deserve to get fired, but yeah, you can't come for everybody's job. I mean, no. it's it's the hardest league in the world for a reason. It's, it's going to be difficult all, is it 38 games? So Yes. And the thing is, too, there's parity in the league. Like, it's really not that big of a divide. Everybody wins, everybody loses. Like, unless you're like Man City, usually. (laughs) Like, having six points for Nottingham Forest or eight or nine points, Liverpool's at 16, Brighton's at 15. That's two wins. If those clubs drop points, you're right there at level with them. Like, it's just such an overly, like, played out thing that it's exhausting it's exhausting it's headline grabbing it's like it makes no sense and it's how people want to get clicks but in reality there is no reality in it it's people being (laughs) absurd and these keyboard warriors will continue to say out 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 and i hope that they continue to have no success in finding it um but anyways (laughs) moving on to miguel almiron my man continues to score bangers only uh literally can only score them from that beautiful left foot. Uh, is he going to win a Puskas award? Like, is he on his way to getting a Puskas at this point? Like, he keeps hitting him really well. Yeah, I mean, he might be up for the Premier League goal of the season. Not from this past week. Even those past weeks was beautiful. I mean, God, up and over the keeper. I I don't know how he did it. <laughs> but, I mean, we've seen it. We saw it at Lane United, and he's, he's coming into his own in Newcastle. Eddie Howe is really getting the best out of him, and it's really exciting. I will root for Miggy every day of the week. Um, just he's leading. He's leading the team with five goals on the season. So it's, it's, it's insane. Like, it's insane, yeah. and he's playing different positions on the field each week. Like he's not set in one in one position. I mean, I. It's amazing. I love that he's doing well. And Newcastle, a team that you, I think you pointed to be in the um, European spots towards the end of the year. 
Um, man, they are looking every bit of likely, you know, like likely to to do that. They they are looking the part. They look great. Yeah, no, they they are, you know, flying high. Um, Eddie Howe could be, um, yeah, like I said, playing for that European spot, which would be fun to see, honestly. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of big things coming for that club. You know, maybe some issues with the manner of how it's all happening behind the scenes, but on the field, it doesn't matter. They're performing, and the gaffer's gotten them in the right direction. But um, for you, uh, you want to lead us into our Premier League preview, some upcoming matches that the people need to be looking out for, and um, yeah, looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, um, I picked three this week to really talk about. Um, definitely the three best games. Um, I'll start with Man City versus Brighton. Now, Brighton have stalled since Graham Potter left for Chelsea. Uh, Graham Potter has has gone on to do pretty well, actually, so far. I think they're five unbeaten. We'll get into that. But, um, but their new coach still has them playing great football. Like it's really good on the eye. It looks very similar to Graham Potter. They're just struggling in front of goal, which, if you remember to last year and the year before, they've always struggled in front of goal. They don't, they don't do well, you know, they'll look really hot and then they can't score a goal to save their life. Um, with that as well, Brighton have only won one from the previous 11 games against Man City. With that as well, <laughs> City were very, I wouldn't say very, but pretty unlucky to lose their last game against Liverpool. Um, and Robot Holland did not score. So if you see the math math equation, I'm sort of adding up the maths. Um, I'm saying this, trick. this could be a rare, ugly game for Brighton. Um, it, it's sort of lining up like that in my eyes, at least. Um, but it could be like a four nothing or knowing what Brighton are capable of. Right. I think it could be very, very exciting. So that's why I circled this one. It's going to be exciting either way, I think. Um, but definitely one to circle. What are your thoughts going into this game? No, you 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 laid it out really well. Um, it's hard to beat Man City. It's That's it how it's always been. They lose three, four games a season. It's even harder to beat this Man City team. And Liverpool got the best of them. You know, like you said, kind of a bit unlucky for... VAR call and whatnot, potentially um, Mo Salah beats you. It happens. A great, it was honestly an awesome game. Um, yeah, Liverpool, Man City. But yeah, Brighton, they they need to pick themselves up. They're sitting, what, seventh, I think, in the table, um, three or four points off the Champions League spot. So they're not in a bad position, but it's like we've talked about, it's a long season. They need to grind out results. The best thing for them, realistically, is a, is a draw. Um, yeah. I think it's at home at Man City, going on the road to the Etihad. Um, it's an important, important game for them. And I would think that with the players they have, um, they've shown that they are a great group together. Um, despite losing Grand Potter, that they can still play good football. And yeah, Man City will see if they were, you know, just had a little stumble and can pick themselves back up, or if there's a trend that maybe that. Um, they are beatable and that there's a way to beat them. And Liverpool kind of unlocked that for other teams to see. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see what the actual result is. But I would want to be favorable for Brighton um, just to be optimistic for the little guy. 
<laughs> I think that's really fair, and we'll leave it there. It's going to be a good one, so definitely watch it. Um, Chelsea versus Man U. Now, this is the biggest game of the weekend. Um, do you happen to know what the last four results were from this matchup? I did a little research. I did a little research. Uh, I think it's been just head to head, like playing level the past couple times, just a bunch of draws. So, yeah. Hopefully, four, a breakthrough's coming. Four draws in the last four games. Um, Stanford Bridge is going to be right up for this one, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, I think they're four or five unbeaten at this point. Um, I, I it's gonna be it's gonna be jumping, especially it's all it always is in these big games, right? Um, you got to see one last year, two last year. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you were at the bridge. Tell tell us how exciting it is when you get in there. It's crazy. As a Tottenham fan, I had to keep my lips shut, uh, <laughs> and I honestly didn't even have anything to cheer about in the first place. I was kept shut naturally throughout the result of the game. But no, that place is awesome. Uh, the Chelsea fans are great. Uh, they're definitely gonna get in your head. They're gonna chant. You know, horrible things at you. They're going to be <laughs> loud. They're going to be rowdy when things are going their way. So that's an opportunity for Man U to take the crowd out of the game. If they can get an early goal and control possession like they did against Tottenham, you know, they'll have a good chance at winning this game at Stanford Bridge. But at the same time, Chelsea have been maintaining success under Grand Potter. Um, so they're sitting third right now. And they can, or fourth, um, right behind Tottenham. And so, yeah. It's going to be a great game. It will be a chance for a lot of those Chelsea players to continue to prove their worth to Grand Potter. They still have, you know, a lot of time for him to kind of settle in on what his 11, like his best 11 is. Mm -hmm. So each of them will be looking to prove their worth, like Christian Pulisic um, under Grand Potter, like fighting for that spot. So um, what better arena to do it than at home at Sanford Bridge and against a big opponent like Man U? Yeah, uh, I will say... We have to realize what Manchester United is also doing, though. Three games unbeaten as well. Um, they're finding consistency. Consistency. Both teams are, but Man U. That's a, that's a big win. It was a dom, like you said, dominating win over Spurs, who are really hard to to dominate. I mean, the way they did it was in a dominating fashion, right? You expect Spurs to sort of sit deep and do what do their thing, but Man U looked really good. Um, I'm I'm super super excited for this one. If if it's if we can get that Man U game like they played against Spurs versus how Chelsea's been playing, um, man, it's gonna be one. It's gonna be fun. It's you know it's a top top six matchup, and it's 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 exciting. It's always exciting it, to watch. It's what you crave, red versus blue. I mean, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. But you know what's even more interesting, Cole? <laughs> Christian Pulisic, who you just mentioned, was rumored today for a contract extension at Chelsea. Um, excuse me? Uh, he currently can't get starting time. He'll sit on the bench and not even come on as a sub. Um, I guess Graham Potter, like you said, is still trying to figure out his best 11, what he likes to do tactically, blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess Graham Potter really likes him, supposedly. It's that that came out today. Um, what do you make of that? <laughs> <laughs> uh i'll say like one or two things i feel like one of them being that it just feels like contracts don't matter anymore in some way i think we've like, talked about this before no they don't it, yeah it's just like it's a it's a formality it 
it doesn't always actually amount to anything. Um, players sign contracts, managers sign contracts, and then the next month they're gone. So yeah. as like a cynic looking from that point of view, yeah, it means nothing. But if you read into it, it means a lot. It means that, yeah, Grand Potter does like this young American still. He has a place in this team. It's, it's, is it Todd <laughs> Bailey? Is he uh, taking the reins on this one saying, hey, you know, we got to lock this uh, American superstar up? You know, it's like, is he taking control of this situation and Christian can't resist, you know, the at least the ability to maybe make it more money or I don't know what it is. So interesting situation nonetheless. And one, I hope as an, as an American fan, I could be optimistic about you want to see him playing, especially before the world cup, let him get, let him get some playing time, especially in big games. That's what we want to see. I doubt, I I, not doubt. I just don't know what we will actually come down to see. Yeah. You know, I, I see these statistics that are posted about him and he, he's really productive for them. Like, very quietly productive. And I'll say this real quick. And Chelsea fans on the internet talk about how he's not productive. He gets such yeah. a bad rap with them. It's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, for me, at least. Like, he gets little playing time, but he is productive. And Chelsea fans say, oh, no. Like, he's worthless to the team. And that's, that's what confuses me because I feel like when he comes on in the 20, 30 minutes, you know, as a super sub kind of deal, he does decently well. So why not continue to give him chances? That's the hard part to see. Yeah, it, it is. It's interesting. I, if I were him, I would not extend my contract um, because there will be bidders. You know, there will be bidders. Um, man, I'd love to see him like at a Newcastle or something like that. You know, just like a little bit of a step down and seeing what he could do, getting consistent starting time each week if he can stay healthy. That's another thing with him, though, right? He's he's in a good position because he he he's struggles to stay healthy throughout a full season, and I don't know maybe maybe Grand Potter's a genius, right? Maybe he's like sprinkling him in here and there, and Chelsea might start making a run at a title this year. Maybe it'll be like Stephen predicted at the beginning of the season, the best Premier League season we've had in a long time. If that's the case, Chelsea's going to have to keep winning games. Um, they're going to have to extend this season and. Pulisic could be a big part of that. So we'll see. Um, he's he's at Chelsea for now, and hopefully he'll get some more game time going into the World Cup. Um, I'm going to hand this last one to you. It's Tottenham versus Newcastle. Man, it's 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 going to be an exciting one, I think, as well. <laughs> exciting is one <laughs> In is a way. way yeah. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it feels like the biggest game we've had against Newcastle, I think, in our history. Um, not history, but, you know, of recent memory. Um, since Newcastle's come up, we've kind of beaten them up, taking care of our business. There hasn't really been, like, that close of a matchup. We beat them 5-1 last time out. But Newcastle have played really well under Eddie Howe. Um, they've been consistent. Um, they've shown a bit of quality here and there. So with Tottenham, the big thing is how do you rebound after that more or less embarrassing defeat against Man United? Um, I mentioned it earlier. Kulisevsky might be able to come back for this one. Um, it's hard to say uh, with him. It's a weird injury. And then you still will be missing Richarlison, I think. 
So you really need that attacking threat on the right side. Lucas Mora isn't even fully fit. Can he fill that position? So we changed the tactics up last time. Uh, we put Bensoncourt, Hoybier, and Basuma in the midfield. Is that going to work better against Newcastle than it did Man United? I hope so. Um, I think it's at home, which is a big benefit. Um, going and losing at Old Trafford does suck. Kind of going home with the tail between your legs, but being at home is a huge advantage for Tottenham. The fans always show up um, and are loud and supportive, and that's maybe what they need is just to come home, press reset, forget about what happened in Manchester, and come back and put away Newcastle like they have in the past. Yeah, this Newcastle team is really gritty, but the Spurs team is as well. I feel like they're pretty similar in a way. Um, but yeah, Spurs have been the better team on the year so far, especially the past couple of years. Um, especially in, in my memory, Spurs have always been better. But um, this game is going to be different than that 5-1 demolishing, right? The, it's I think that's easy to say. Um I, I I think Tottenham will win, but Eddie Howe has made them so strong. Like they they have such a strong identity, and Newcastle they just they they tie games. I I talk about it all the time. The Premier League is about tying games. <laughs> it's literally about not losing games, um, and they have found ways to to hang on sometimes to. Turn, turn games around, flip them on their head. Like, they can do it all. And when Miggy's playing well, Cal Wilson's back in and healthy. They're missing Isaac, who's, who's out with injury right now. But, you know, the, the next people, they, they step up for Newcastle, it seems like. Um, I'm forgetting his name. What's the, the left winger who's phenomenal? St. Maximin. St. Maximin, thank you. Like, he's, he's one of the most exciting players in soccer. So it's it's great. But then, you, then you're realistic and you're like, Spurs, this team is like a veteran side. They've been there. They've done that. They've played everybody at this point. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be really fun with, with that parity. Yeah. No, the big thing, honestly, is just going to be if Tottenham can score goals. And as of late, it's – the creativity, I mentioned, it just hasn't been there. So they really have to produce, and that's going to rely a lot on Sonny and Harry Kane. Um, a lot of it just deals with the delivery. If they can get balls to them in attacking positions, they'll put it away, but they haven't been getting in those positions as often as they would like. That, for me, will be the defining factor for Tottenham is if those two can get into the final third into creative positions and put the ball away. Um, that's what's going to be the big difference maker is those two getting the ball at their feet and putting it away. So, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be a great game, better than years mm -hmm. past. Um, that's for sure. We've mentioned that. And so that's the Premier League, man. That's the Premier League preview. That's what we talked about. That's where we're going. But the Champions League is also in full swing. We've got two <laughs> match days left. Um, it's been a crazy start uh, to this Champion League, Champions League season as we approach the round of 16 in early spring, late winter. Um, but for you, what's been the biggest surprise so far four or five match days in? Uh, a team that I – well, one, I'll say this. Napoli has been phenomenal to watch. I don't know if anybody thought they were going to do this, but <laughs> what are they – they're scoring six goals a week or something yeah, stupid. They like really well. They're insane. They're insane. So that that's really been a, a massive surprise. And it, I don't know. It's really fun. It's very, very fun uh, mixing up 
the Champions League. And uh, the second one, um, Club Rouge, man. They're at the top <laughs> of their of their group, which they, they're beating out Atletico, Leverkusen, and Porto. Um, and they've, they've won the group. They're into the round of 16. Um, that's that's crazy. What? <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy. I mentioned it. Club Bruges is, is a team that's known to produce talent. They take young guys, produce them, and sell them off. That's that's sort of like their model. But they're doing it. They're doing it this year, and that's it's super exciting to watch. I think this Champions League season could be uh, one of the best we've ever seen as well. Um, but yeah, that group's all to play for. But happily in Club Bruges, man, I, I'm loving it. <laughs> and yeah, we see that every year. It's always the best year for Champions League. Like it's just, <laughs> it's the best tournament ever in any sport. I think uh, it's amazing. I love it so much. I think for me, the biggest surprise, well, in some ways, uh, Barcelona once again, just like oh, let's our, get into this. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's so funny. Like uh. we we played it up so much in the summer during the transfer window. All the levers they had to pull. Everything they did just to get Lewandowski on the team, to get Kunde, to get whoever else they signed. I can't even think about it right now. But once again, they find themselves in danger of not making it out of the group stage and getting kicked out to the Europa League. Once again, they don't even control their own destiny right now. They sit third in the group. You have Bayern, who have not lost a group stage game in like four or five Champions League seasons, which, <laughs> oh, like that's unreal like these are the best teams in the world they're supposed to be playing they have not lost a group stage game in years like that's incredible um so yeah obviously they're leading the group and they'll already be qualified for the round of 16 um but right ahead of them is enter uh they lost to enter um and then you have victoria Pleitsen at the bottom of the group but as i said they don't control their own destiny enter with their two games left they play bayern and they play Plaitsen. Uh, they cannot, Barcelona cannot let Inter get more than one point. Otherwise, Inter will qualify above them on points. So let's think about this. Okay, sure, they can <laughs> lose to Bayern. Plaitsen, not a big opponent, probably pretty easy to beat. Barcelona are in serious danger of losing. And as I mentioned this in the summer, they literally cannot afford this. They can't. Not only can Inter not get a point for the next two games, but doesn't that mean Barcelona have to win both of those games as well? They have to at least, yeah, I think either goal differential, they have to score a crap ton of goals and get four points. So a draw and a tie or a draw and a win, I think. And then score a bunch of goals, I think. <sighs> That's looking grim. But <laughs> uh, also, yeah, they literally can't afford it. They can't afford this financially. No. Even if they win Europa League, it does not pay out as well as advancing in the Champions League. So we mentioned this. They have to win either La Liga, they have to win Champions League to continue to support their club, which is in billions of dollars in debt. Billions. And they're going to continue to be in debt the longer that they continue to not win as well as they continue to let these other entities control their income. It's, it's such a dire situation and laughable from a, you know, far away fans perspective. If I'm a Barcelona fan, like at some point those alarm bells are going to start ringing 
the red lights are swirling around. <laughs> should be like, it's, it's, it's just, it's an unreal situation. And I just oh. don't know if the average fan understands what's happening here. Like this is a huge deal. If they cannot get out of the group stage and this is the group of death, we talked about it, but yeah, it's a dire situation. Nonetheless, it is pull the lever crunk. Um, <laughs> they are out of levers. As far as we, we know, as far as we understand it, um, they pulled all of them this summer just to register this team. Um, I read something this week, which isn't surprising, um, noting that you just said they're billions of dollars in debt. They are still, they have still not paid off Philip Coutinho to Liverpool. They still have not paid that full transfer fee yet. That was what, five years ago? It's a long time. I think. <laughs> what, $140 million? And that's just one player now, okay? Think of all the other players they've bought and transferred and whatever and probably haven't paid off. Um, hello. Poor financial management by them continues to be poor. And it's just it's more of what we've what we've been saying. They are digging a hole that they will not be able to get out of. Nobody unless Apple comes and takes over, Apple the company. Yes, comes and takes over this club, which Apple probably won't. Like there are very few billionaires on this planet that could turn this Barcelona club around. And that's just that's just a, the fact of the matter. And it's it's not going to happen. It's not good. No one's going to come save them. Well, I think we um, mentioned it's it is because that's this is not how they're structured as well, right? Yeah. The way that they're owned or run, you they don't have like a single owner. Like it's yeah, kind of collectively like a done rotating or like, like that. voting cycle that they do. I don't understand yeah. it. But. So it's like even if Elon Musk wanted to come in and absolve all their debts, I don't think that they could do it because that's not how the club operates. So they're in a very sticky, deep situation. It's bleak. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely that they even advance into the group. And they also, <laughs> what? They just came off a pretty poor performance against Real Madrid. It was like 3-1, I think. 3-1, so, I think it might have been like a late goal, like a garbage goal. Yeah, so it was... They're not, they're not looking likely to even win La Liga. So, no. what... <laughs> They're not going to win anything this year, folks. I'm sorry. Maybe Europa League. But even then, like, I just don't think they will do that either. Like, it's – Barcelona have proved nothing over the past couple of years. And yep. except that they can spend money unwisely. And I don't know. It's going to be their doom. It's all I can think about. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not giving them enough credit with stuff. They have amazing players. They have amazing history. But right now, it's scary. Yeah, Chavi's not getting the job done. I think compared to the past couple of managers, his record is not up to par with them, which is ironic considering the firings that they make. So, like, abruptly, um, apparently he's getting the long-term, um, like, stability there. But, again, they probably can't afford to fire him either. So, <laughs> enough about Barcelona. That'll be a fun one to see if they can get the results they need to move on. It has happened before. Teams that had no chance come around and they make it through. That was much like yes. Tottenham. They escaped their group in 18-19. They went all the way to the Champions League final. So maybe there is a Cinderella story coming for them. Um, but yeah, Tottenham, they lead Group D. Um, everyone, though, has 
everything to play for in that group. Um, so it's interesting to see. Uh, they have seven points, but Marseille and Sporting both have six, and Frankfurt's only um, behind three points from the top. They're at four points total. So everything to play for in that one. It's kind of scary considering, you know, Conte doesn't have the best Champions League history and their run of form hasn't been perfect. So hopefully mm-hmm. that they can grind out some results um, and escape Group D. Hopefully on top, that would be the most important thing. But honestly, advancing is all that Tottenham fans care about. They want to continue to see Champions League football played in that beautiful stadium, of which people are keeping an eye on, might actually get a new uh, name. Uh, Google and Amazon apparently are in talks with Tottenham to rename the stadium at a... Mm. uh, I think it would break the record for a stadium rights deal with Spotify. I think just did with the camp new Amazon or Google could break the bank. And that would be an awesome thing for Tottenham potentially come January transfer window or in the summer, um, that money pouring wow. in, allowing them to uh, maybe make some more big moves. So we'll see, but um, a little bit of news there. And then the big one for me, Juve, Juventus. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> They really like are just dropping the ball. They just, I think, did they just lose to Haifa um, this past week? Like, yeah. Well, they lost the week before, I think, or one. I don't know. Whatever. They're they're bad. It's understandable to you know lose a game against PSG. Benfica has proven to be a tough team in Champions League. Obviously, in Portugal, they've been great. But come on. Walking away with only one win and three losses and this group is unacceptable. And that's the thing for me that them getting eliminated from this group might be the final nail in the coffin for Allegri. Juve for me is I think the biggest surprise even over Barcelona at this point. Hmm. That's a fair shout. Um, I just think Barcelona is probably just, it's insane. We've, we, we went into it, but yeah, Juve, they're not playing well. Um, and Poch could, like you said earlier, Poch could be sliding right in if, if they want him. So we'll see. We will see, but that, Hey, that's the champions league. Uh, we'll finish things up here as we approach the hour mark with the MLS playoffs, uh, a really great game. Actually, I watched the whole thing. Philadelphia union eliminated FC Cincinnati in a thrilling match. Just before we started recording this, Andre Blake winning the goalkeeper of the year award, proving his worth with some incredible saves all game. Um, being the Secretary of Defense for the Union, they advanced the Eastern Conference Finals against the winner of that Montreal NYC FC game, of which will not be played on the baseball field, which gives Montreal a big leg up in that one. Um, and then as we're recording this, El Trafico is happening, which arguably is the biggest meeting between these clubs thus far. Um, so Brandon, I'll ask you this question as we wrap up. Who is your ideal MLS Cup champion at this point in the MLS Cup playoffs? Man, um, I really like what the union have been doing over the past couple years. Um, Their coach is awesome, probably the best in the league. And I would like to see the union win it, I think, this year. Um, But it'll be, I'm guessing it'll be the union versus Montreal. Um, I think that'd be a pretty fun matchup. And um, right now the El Trafico game is one, one in the second half. So I think, what was it a couple years ago when LAFC had set the record and they were flying, they looked insane. They got beat by LA galaxy, I think in the playoffs. Um, so this, this could happen again here tonight as we're recording. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I want to see LAFC versus Austin. And either of those teams would deserve to go, right? They're both, they've both been phenomenal. They're a lot of fun. Um, but Philadelphia Union winning it this year, I think I'd like to see. I don't know. I don't know. That's fair. I think the sleeper is actually Montreal. If you kind of think back to COVID and pre-COVID, Thierry Henry takes over the club. He's running the show. Um, At that point, they were the Montreal Impact. Um, Wow, distant memory that is. (laughs) Wow. No, but they were bottom of the table. They were unsuccessful. Um, They really just like were a club that wasn't finding success in the East. And now they jump up to third, I believe in the East or second. Um, That would be the best kind of comeback story to find success when MLS cup doing that. But Mm -hmm. as you said, I think Philadelphia union is the most deserving. Um, They've really played outstanding football the entire year, dominating some games. I'd hope for Cincinnati. I really was starting to like, like that Cincinnati team a lot. Um, That front three with Acosta, Brendan Vasquez and Brennan, they were so hot. They were finding so much success, scoring so many goals. Mm-hmm. Um, for a bit, it seemed like it was destined for them. But for me, for what's left, I would love to see Austin FC win. The Verde are so fun. The atmospheres Very are great. Um, it kind of would continue that new club trend like Atlanta United did, winning in their second year. I would love to see them do it. We talked them up early on in our uh, podcast days. Are mm-hmm. they the real deal or not? And we've seen it that they are. They um, they're the real deal. They're a force to be reckoned with. And what better way to finish it all off with an MLS Cup title? I'll give it to them. That's the team I would love to see my ideal champion. Um, I'm sure Matthew McConaughey will be leading that parade. <laughs> the people of Austin, Texas will be beating it down the streets. And um, no, I would love to see that. But hey, there's so much to play for in that all-Texas game. Um, between Dallas and Austin, but um, MLS Cup, we're approaching it in this new format um, for the second year now with no two legs, all just one game all the way through, um, which proves to be pivotal when you get that home field advantage. So we'll see how it all turns out, and we'll keep you posted here on The Bad Fan. Um, That about wraps things up here. So please continue to support our coverage of things like the MLS playoffs, postseason baseball, the Premier League, Champions League, and much more like the World Cup that's coming up this November uh, become a bad fan today all you have to do is subscribe to the channel leave a like uh, leave a comment of your opinions on things like should Christian Blissick be getting a new contract um, what team do you want to see win MLS Cup uh, we want to hear your thoughts and uh, it makes us feel good inside you know it gives that good feeling it'll make you feel better by supporting our channel uh, but yeah least but not last but not least uh, find us on Twitter and Instagram um, we would love to see you guys there on those forums but hey I've been Cole Carter. He's been Brandon Pacenick. We have been uh, really enjoying this episode together with you, the bad fans. See us next time here. We'll talk more and we'll see you later. Peace out.